Are you tired of not paying for your favorite product? Patreon.com slash Roastmortemcast. What's a Patreon, you say? It's a website where fans can support their favorite content creators. <laughs> Sounds like a deal. 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 This is only if you got the money. We got koozies. We got custom obituaries. We got stickers. We have movie commentaries that you download and watch with said movie. It's like you have friends in the room. What if I don't like history? You're wrong. You love history. How much money can I give? Anything will help. We like doing the show. We're going to do it anyway. Mike's losing us money at every corner. Roast Mortemcast is here to help you take a load off that wallet. It's all been arranged just for us to get your money. I'm telling you that you need to give money to Roast Mortem Podcast so we can do it even better. Are you tired of exploiting these four men? Or you could even sponsor. You got a stupid-ass business? I'd love to talk about your business. Point to point. I'm too busy to read. Where can I find this podcast? So call today at patreon.com slash roastmortemcast. That's R-O-A-S-T-M-O-R-T-E-M-C-A-S-T at patreon.com slash roastmortemcast. Yeah, if you want to buy me a beer, that's cool too, you know. I thought you were dead. Sun out of your eyes and be yourself. Heard you were dead. She's dead, wrapped in plastic. That man's dead back then. It was worse than dead. He must be dead. Is this a dead man, Doctor? Oh, God! Oh, Hello, welcome to the Roast Mortem Podcast, the only podcast about relationships and high-definition water. My name is Tom. My name is High Definition Travis. I am your High Definition Cody for the evening. And I'm 240p, Mike. I like that. <laughs> you know why? Because you're the everyman of the podcast. Yeah. The rest of us are just <laughs> awful. People can relate <laughs> to you. Fucks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so dogs, how's everyone's hot dog in week? How many hot dogs did you eat this week? This question. How did you know? How did you know? I had ribs. How many hot dogs? You had ribs? I had ribs yesterday. <laughs> Those are hot dogs with bones. For lunch and dinner. Yes. <laughs> oh, nice. Do you know you can eat hot dogs raw? Or like just yeah, out of the packaging. I never knew that till like yeah. a couple weeks ago. I think we're the ones that taught you that. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> you were asking about raw spam, and we're just like, oh yeah, yeah, most prepackaged meats. So did you eat a raw hot dog? I mean, I was thinking about it one day. Yeah, aren't we just like mental floss? You know, you can eat the cold hot dogs. <laughs> can we do that? Squeeze it out of the packaging into your mouth. Yeah, just very bad but valid life tips. Like, busy? Don't cook your hot dogs. It's like a to-go snack now, and I'm thinking about it. You could do this. Yeah, I could eat it before work. We're never saying should, ever. It's, <laughs> you could, if it was called for. You could do a lot of yeah. stuff. Call it dog No, how was everyone's week, though? I did start a series for the Patreons. Uh, yeah, oh, cool. yeah. Yeah, so uh, we have a new thing that, uh, just me, not the other guys. I mean, we're there in form. Yeah, it's you're all there, but uh, I'm I'm drawing, and it's getting posted for our Patreons. It's kind of like a Bob Ross, oh, cool. but with like an angrier me who like <laughs> it's like a therapy session because there's I'm talking to a wall the entire time, uh, and yeah. you can choose to be that wall <laughs> for money. Yeah, and I show you what? how I do some of the artwork I'm doing. So we have a couple episodes posted on the Patreon. I'm gonna keep doing those. Oh, uh, cool. A lot of nice. fun. Wait, wait, Cody, if you had those rocking tits in real life, can I squeeze them? Um, <laughs> like as a the friend, the weekends and why? 
<laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, hell yeah. That's all of them, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mike, how was your birthday? That was good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot. That was I mean, man. Oh, I, don't I just feel old now. Birthday. What do you mean you feel old? How old are you? Twenty-four. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck off, I need dude. You, I need you to take a long walk off a short plank <laughs> and pee into the wind the entire way. Uh, it, it wasn't bad. I mean, uh, my kidneys hurt really bad. I remember that. So I drank a bunch of water to make them feel better. And then that's about it. <laughs> too many, I remember too that many was... <laughs> uncooked hot dogs. <laughs> yeah. What else can you do, man? Yeah. You know, <sighs> it's on top of your birthday, it's your kidneys' birthday. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't think about that. I just entered the world of vintage smut. Yeah? Vintage me. smut? What's that? Well, I'm thinking about, you know, I was gone to like this Brimfield in Massachusetts, all these like big vendor antique things, and I've never seen anyone that's had like an X-rated, you know, uh, vendor, you know, right? So I bought this lot of stag films, Swedish erotica, some sexual shit in there. There's Hong Kong Pack Me or something. I don't know. <laughs> Wow. It's like I'm some so weird, some Swedish orgies. Are you going to open it up film. in an online store? <laughs> yeah, maybe an online store first, and then I want to open up like a, a booth. Are they all like VHS or like no, DVDs? No, it's, it's film. It's oh, reels. Film. Yeah. Oh. yeah, film reels. So I, I'm assuming you're going to be, what's going to separate you from the other dirtbags out there is that you're going <laughs> to preview everything and write reviews on it so people know what yeah. they're getting into. Well, it's yeah, just and be it also you with a bed sheet against the wall and an old timey projector, well, ripping, yeah. ripping bugs and jerking off. But for you know the review, yeah, I mean, also each purchase comes with a stamp of approval on all your all of your <laughs> items. Uh, Two nuts out of five. Certificate of authenticity. Yeah. <sighs> Cody, how was your week? Because Travis's uh, sounded gross. <laughs> yeah, um, I uh, I ordered a fresh XLR. For uh, my microphone, mm-hmm. uh, because it was uh, harshing the audio a little bit, and uh, today I realized it's going to come in the middle of the podcast, so it'll definitely fuck up the audio. Great, <laughs> yeah, cool. So I left a note, but if we hear a doorbell chime, uh, look forward to fresher audio. Fantastic, nice. Well, I'm assuming that uh, Tom, you are the chopperman today. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I am. Okay. Because you're holding a sheet of paper, a booklet, yeah. a pamphlet. <laughs> this is this is going to be probably one of our longest episodes, and it's a part one of, of two parts. Uh-oh, two-parter. Let's go. Like the Godfather. And, and it's, a, it's a really important historical figure, uh, culturally, uh, okay. big yeah. time. We're going to talk about uh, Frank Sinatra, hey. Old Blue Eyes, the Sultan of Swoon, The Voice. The Voice. Yeah. Nice. He's... Truly one of the world's most iconic entertainers of all time. His crooning hit the radio, and it just made the whole nation wet. And then he conquered Hollywood, and then he wet himself. Oh. Ooh, ain't that a kick in the dick? (laughs) Yes. I hate using this phrase, but bonus points for references to his songs, because I have none of them. (laughs) We're just talking about the man, not his sweet songs. So uh, his career is unlike any other entertainer that's ever existed, um, with the exception of Jackie Chan. I think Jackie Chan actually kind of rivals his uh, legacy. Yeah, but Jackie Chan's a nice boy. We're never going to roast Jackie Chan. We'll roast Jackie Chan. It'll be hilarious. No, he's a flawless victory. I want to pinch his cheeks all day. (laughs) I really do. That doesn't mean there isn't something that he did. Mm, All right. 
All right. So anyway, it's long, so I'm going to jump right into this. Do it. And we're going to talk all about this prize cocktail weenie. Our story starts in Hoboken, New Jersey. Yeah. The other little Italy. Dirty Jersey. <laughs> Hoboken, eh? <laughs> we have to go back a bit. We're not going to start with Frank immediately. We're going to start talking about his parents a bit. Uh, Frank's mom, Natalina Maria Garaventa, or better known as Dolly. I hate it. Dolly, yeah, babina. We're not doing Natalina every time. We'll sound like stuttering jerks. So she starts dating uh, Antonio Martino Sinatra, also known as Marty. Marty. Marty and Dolly. Got it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, both were Italian-born immigrants. Dolly was born in Genoa, and Marty was born in Sicily. The parents didn't embrace the whole idea of this northern Genoa beauty dating this Sicilian funky dude because they thought Sicilians were uh, dirty. Hey, hey, don't don't put that salami on top of that meatloaf. (laughs) Yeah, don't do that. It's Genoa salami going on top of uh, Sicilian pie. Yeah, I love Sicilian pies. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I know uh, recently Italians have been uh, a little upset about uh, racial appropriation or something. There was that guy who <laughs> was uh, the Fredo. Yeah, yeah. You, Chris. Why Cuomo. you call me Fredo? Cuomo. He's from a different movie. Yeah, the Cuomo dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I love this. Like, we're just accepting that Italians can be racist towards Italians right now. Like, oh yeah, it, it's miraculous. I love this. They're not even. They can't even stand undivided by themselves. I personally can't call Sicilians dirty, but Marty was dirty. Yeah, just, <laughs> he was. Uh, yeah, he was a filthy dude. He's a. Uh, he was an illiterate amateur boxer, oh. and uh, he liked to hit the bottle a lot. Just one of those guys. So he had I mean, those like cauliflower ears going on. Like his ears just looked like a piece of shit. He he did because he only did like amateur fighting, and his career he broke like both of his wrists at some point. Oh, is this bare knuckle or something? No, dude. I think he just punched. I think he tried to do one of those like two armed punches that children do, (laughs) and just like came in at the wrong angle, and they both broke at the same time. (laughs) So he was out of work a lot. Dolly's parents pleaded with her to marry someone who could read, but. Dolly had the hots for this Dyson ball sack and married him anyway. February 1914. See, kids, illiteracy is hot! Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Gets you hooked on phonics. If you're both illiterate, it's just pictures being drawn. <laughs> Sweet pictures being drawn to each other. You go, it's like it's like paleo relationship. You go back to your roots. You just draw on walls. Yeah, with right cave, on the cave walls, walls with soot. <laughs> I'm writing you a love letter. <laughs> That's feces. So, like, this is 1914, so back then, everyone was poor. So the relationship, poor. Very poor. But, stroke of luck. They got a gig managing a building together, and they no longer had to take shits outside. The building was in Irish territory, which was somewhat scandalous at the time, believe it or not. As Italians tended to hang together as the Irish made terrible meatballs. They do. (laughs) Mary's meatballs, though. Yeah, so the family actually went by O'Brien for a long time to kind of fly under the radar. What? Oh, wow. Yeah, a lot of their, the documentation for the places they moved in and out of was under O'Brien's. Um, so Dolly was a, a controlling socialite. Uh, she was good at it. She would smooth anyone, talk to anyone, get favors out of people, manipulate. Uh-huh. So she dragged Marty, the quiet, illiterate man, to uh, <laughs> all kinds of social events. She was smart and managed to pick up all the... Uh, local immigrant dialects of the area. Oh, See, she okay. wasn't like uh, 
you know, an Italian racist like her parents, she was like, I'm going to learn all the Italians, all their wants and stuff. So she became like this leadership figure okay. in, in the community. Oh, was she also picking up the Irish accent? Like, tar 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 I'm from Hoboken. The Irish liked her there, man. Especially the Irish politicians, because she was able to influence all the Italian immigrants to vote for Irish politicians who were running in the time. Yeah, Dems. Yeah. She eventually even got a political position, which was a leader of the Third Ward Healer in the Ninth District. And I don't know what that means, but she made a lot of friends. Okay. Means her her main was a healer. I was thinking the same thing, yeah. Mercy. Truly a woman with balls, and she collected balls wherever she went. Mm. She was the kind of person who had quite the mouth on her. Her favorite expression was, son of a bitch bastard, which just screams 1920s. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Wait, so she had quite the mouth on her. She collected balls. Question is, Mm -hmm. did she collect the balls in her her mouth? I, I, I can't refute that. Yeah. Mike, that's one meat you have to cook before eating. Meatballs? Balls? So also keep in mind, like people people back then, uh, Italians, they were very religious. So having a a mouth on her like that was something else. In fact, every time it rained, every single time it rained and she came inside, she would say, Jesus Christ, it's raining sweet peas and horse shit. I like this. I want like one of those old timey dolls where you just like pull the string on a ring, like the voice box just goes. You know Sinatra's I mean? mom doll? Yeah, yeah, like, uh, you know, like in Toy Story, like how Woody had that pole voice box. I mean, yes, there was cursing, but like in this area, no one cursed openly, so it was like a big thing. It was just like, yeah. it was, it would be like, um, it would be like, uh, I'm trying to think, like Chad Lupinacci, Huntington Town supervisor, using the N word all the time. Oh, he probably does. Yeah. He might, but not in public. <laughs> um, but Cody, those things do exist on real people. It's, it's those tail butt plugs you see on porn stars. Oh, you just they pull them and they go, "Son of a bitch!" Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch! Frank was born December twentieth, nineteen fifteen. He was a thirteen and a half pound breech oh, birth sad. that left Dolly barren. Oh no! Yeah. Wait, what's what's Frank? a breech birth again? Is that when they throw a flashbang in there first? Yeah. No, it's when they come out doing a handstand. It's when the stomach oh, right. just breaks open. Yeah. It's. it's uh... Going ass backwards. Yeah, gotcha. it's feet first. Which, Slip and uh, slide mode. Back in the day, that was like, oh, like me. your baby's at, oh, you're a breech birth? I did that, man. <laughs> you nice. asshole. I was coming out the wrong way like an idiot. What do you mean the, <laughs> the wrong way? <laughs> I didn't want to leave. I was like, this, this is cool. I'm floating around and shit. Happy birthday, Mike. Here's your water. Yeah. <laughs> Took a left <laughs> broke turn mine a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Took a left turn at Albuquerque and fell out your mom's ass. Holy shit. Uh, so the baby was... Thought to be born, stillborn, but Dolly's mom ran the blue baby under some cold water and gave it a slap, and sure enough, it was fine. There you go. <laughs> and back then, they used to name the babies at the christening, not the birth. So the priest was supposed to name the kid after the father, but for some reason, because of some language barrier shit, Marty was swapped with the godfather, Frank Garrick, and that's how Frank was named Frank Sinatra instead Oops. of Marty Sinatra, because uh, a bunch of immigrants didn't know where to stand. That is priceless. I always feel like that's going to happen to me when I go to Ikea. They're going to rename me. (laughs) (laughs) Wait. Explain. Be like, you're not Travis, you're Sven. Stand near the Strugelag and wait for your screw. And you just go along with it to get the screw. They're like, okay, cool. I'm Sven now. Cool. What's lunch? 
1917, Woodrow Wilson declared war on Germany, joining the now-raging Great War. Ah. He made Hoboken the first official naval port and had all the saloons closed. It was the first place to experience a federal prohibition in the States. Whoa. Damn. Uh, the town was flipped upside down since it had been founded by Germans, and with that comes a lot of drunk people. Yes. So they actually rounded up all the, the Germans in the area and either sent them back to Ellis Island or put them in jail for being a spy. <laughs> oh, okay. So That's it, fair. It gets wasn't, funnier. Wasn't Hoboken like a piece of shit until like maybe five years ago? Like it was uh, like, no, it, like it, when it, we it were was, growing up, it was terrible. No, it was a mix. I just, I just remember that was like Mob Central, right? Though, so, I mean, like, whoa. Hey. Suck on my dick. There was a lot of mobsters there. It happened. The, the Sopranos, Sopranos were there. Yeah. yeah. The Irish then took over Hoboken, which gave Dolly Sinatra even more neighborhood clout. Especially since Woodrow Wilson was looking to get rid of any immigrant who didn't embrace America. Dolly had embraced it and become somewhat of a liaison between the Italians who never left the few blocks that they lived in and the local government. She found herself in court on a daily basic ba- ah, daily basis, explaining to judges why these Italian fruit vendors and gelato servers had the right to be there. Everyone loves the gelato. Yeah. yeah. It's good stuff. Me yeah, why, why wouldn't I? It should be on every corner, a gelato boy. Yeah. <laughs> should be just scooping gelato out at the stop sign. <laughs> Oh, Mama so me, sad. just like my papa made a gelato, just throw it in your car. <laughs> to go. <laughs> to go. No cup, no bowl, no nothing. Even though she had all this clout, the Sinatra family uh, did a great job staying in jail. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's impressive because they'll throw you out in. eventually. Yeah, I mean, her own brother was put in jail for uh, being involved in a drive-by. Uh, <laughs> those were expensive back then, so... Gas, yeah. <laughs> you, you know what I was thinking the other day, talking about jail? Imagine the first person who got put in jail. Like, you're gonna, you're bad. You're going in this box, you idiot. Can I just leave? <laughs> like, we ought to keep an eye on you. Yeah, what is this concept? You go in the box. You bad boy. You're what naughty. you do? Steal a rutabaga? You going in the box. Yeah, right. We're going to cut off your testicle, and then you're going in the box. (laughs) This is heavy-handed. So Dolly, on the side of her uh, public service, she became a midwife, first assisting doctors, then performing the duties all by herself eventually. Gross. She always kept her uh, black nurse bag with her. It was kind of like a uh, a thing that everyone just saw Dolly with. It was kind of like, um, hmm, what what was that? No Country for Old Man with the guy with the... The cattle prod thing? Like, you know how he always just had a tank of CO2 on him? Just for fun. Yeah, she just had that. Here comes Dolly. She's going to pull something out of you. You better be careful. It's it's just a plunger and tongs and a doctor bag. Yeah, and she she also used it as like a a diversion because she would leave Marty at home with the kids and be like, I have to go give birth to someone and then just go to a party (laughs) with her black bag. Oh, hey, that's cool. (laughs) Mm. There's a schnapps uh, in there too. I, I'm I'm pretty sure she had her drinks bought for her. Oh, she then started an illegal abortion service, being called Hatpin Dolly. Oh, jeez, fifty oh. bucks a pop, and she'll take care of that baby That's for you. That's not bad. Yikes! Yeah. You know uh, what I mean? That's uh, fucking terrible. That that was how they had to do it. But that's how they had to do it. It's a job. Uh, true, <laughs> true, true, true. Yeah. Mike Rowe, Dolly Rowe. <laughs> 
Dirtiest <laughs> abortion. Dirtiest. We're gonna give uh, six abortions today. Yeah, they get a discount for the sixth. She's like clawing around in there with a fucking wire. Like, we need more plumbers. <laughs> um. So she got into some legal trouble with this whole thing, but never ended up in jail. If an Italian girl became pregnante at the time, her mm. family would disown her. Mm. Mm. Dolly was uh, a lot of girls. Excuse the term, meatball hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this got her kicked out of church, but, you know, she did all right. She made some money there. She had set up a table in her basement a few years later and would have girls spread out and insert a thin wire with some kind of poison on it and then oh, tell the girls to use Lysol douches for the next week. Oh! Just, ooh. Three times a day. Ooh. Get that marinara out of you. Yeah, it sounds like a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, that's what it was, Mike. <laughs> oh, God. That's how, like, you know, yeah. this is this is the movie made in Hoboken. Don't be doing having sex yeah. with it. <laughs> or else you're going to see Dolly. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out for her bike bag. Um, she started out a little rough raising Frank because she wanted a little girl. So she was kind of a dick. So she dressed him like a girl. Uh, like I said, Marty had broken both of his wrists boxing and had reti- retired by 1926. Wait, Tom, I saw the air quotes you did when you said boxing. I saw those. You, you slipped them in there. I was boxing with two gentlemen next to my head. And both of my wrists snapped. When uh, Marty's cousin, Chit Yu, came to stay with them. No. What? No. Yeah. Yeah, Chit Yu. Uh, she used her political sway to get Marty a job at the, the fire department. Forgoing any written exam, you understand. Gotcha, gotcha. She then took a life insurance policy out on Marty's cousin and moved the family a few blocks north. Chit Yu became her muscle. So this cousin, who didn't speak a lot of English, would just follow Dolly around and was this giant ape person. Yes, a lummox. Paid lummox. Yeah. So he uh, lived with them for the rest of their life. It's, ugh. She's like I the chit, head I of the chit, abortion mafia. Yeah. I Chit Yu not. Oh, Whoa! look at Zing ha. <laughs> Wait, was he Asian or is that Italian man? He's an Italian man. Uh, we don't know his real name today. Oh, okay. Okay. So Dolly, also to bring in some extra money, would work at a candy store on the weekends. Abortion and candy. Yeah. And the family now had some more spending money than any of the Italians in town. Nice. They Whoa, were like the- top, top dog Italian. Well, Dolly, where's the, where's the clothes hanging? We need you. Oh, I got this candy cane. <laughs> Oh, oh, no. like, Hook him right up. out like he's exiting stage. You Exit stage left. Point. Uh, so Frankie was about 12 at this time. Like any other kid of the time, Frank was constantly sick. Understandable. You know, it's Vaccines. 1920. Yeah. You're just dying. Uh, he was a sad kid. He was also a fat kid. <laughs> he didn't have any friends, but he was spoiled rotten. He was an only child in an area where the average family had about five or six kids. He also Stop had it. a nice apartment that no one else had. Always new clothes. Sometimes bought on unpaid credit, and Chit Yu would take care of that. Ah. Hey, Frankie, you want a little new suit? I Chit you not. Here you go. Ha! Whoa! <laughs> Bing a bang, you got it. Wow. Are you Italian? Uh, I did have a, an Italian sub from a very, it's very, um, this is deep in Little Italy of Portland, called Jim Johns. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I saw that on Guy Fieri. Sir. Had provolone in it. So I think I'm pretty much Italian now. Congratulations. I've been trying to be Italian since I was very young. How's it working? 
<laughs> For the Sinatra family, it was all about keeping up appearances. This was normal to Frankie, wearing a bunch of different pants every day. Everyone else had two pairs of pants. It was like the shit ones, and then the slightly less shitty that was your Sunday best. Yep. But Frankie, from a very young age, picked up this whole thing because his mom spoiled the shit out of him that I should be buying new clothes all the time. The kids called him Slaxy O'Brien. How creative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was a total bitch. I'm going to get into that. Here's an example of how spoiled little Frankie is. So Frank finally gets some, gets some friends by the age of 13, and they decided to make a baseball team. Now, Dolly brought the kids all uniforms to ensure that Frank was both the manager and the pitcher. Ooh, oh, cool. yeah. Uh, he used to buy his friendship straight up. Ooh, I knew someone like that. It's weird. Tell me about them quickly. Um, his, his dad would always take us out to go, like, uh, what's it called? Rollerblading. Oh, yeah. yeah. He'd always buy us, like, beer and shit. Yeah. Wait, the dad would? That's creep. No, this kid. He was always, like, had oh. so much alcohol in his house for us to drink and stuff like that. And uh, so he kind of moved on. He, he kind of, like, uh, went and bought more friends somewhere else. Just just in retrospect of that story, Mike, I if I was a dad that needed to punish his son, I'd be like, hey, you, you better shape up or I'm going to take your friends rollerblading. Hey, hold on a minute. I had a birthday party at the ice rink when I was a kid, and my mom made me a Cartoon Network cake. It was the best. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> it tastes good. That's what? not funny. No one wants to hear that. <laughs> no, but I'm, that's like rollerblading, but you have knives on the bottom of your feet. What? Shit. I could never stop. All right, back into this guy. So he even bought protection from other kids from a young age. He would constantly start shit, but he was really small, so he couldn't handle his own shit. So he had this big dude named Tony follow him around and do all his fighting for him. <laughs> this this happens. This is not like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. This is a child doing this. Yeah, but see, I was in that. I was in Tony's position at one point with our buddy Taylor. He would go talk shit at a bar, and I'd just be a big, lo- you know, loving idiot behind him. Be like, oh, okay, I don't want to talk to this boy. <laughs> well, I think you were just doing that to be nice, because yeah. I think Taylor actually liked to get the shit smacked out of him every now and then. Oh, yeah, I did watch somebody squeeze his balls really hard. Surprisingly, he has three kids now, actually. <laughs> yeah, interesting. It's miraculous. <laughs> he even had another kid build a model plane to enter a contest with. Uh, and he won the contest, and he got to ride a Piper Cub over New York City. Ah, nice. So that, That's pretty neat. I mean, it's, it's cool, I guess. He's getting what he wants. But he just used someone to get there? He was like, yo, build this plane so we can win this competition. Well, he wasn't like, we. He was just like, hey, you. Oh. Uh, do you like chocolate-covered almonds? Because I have an endless supply of chocolate-covered almonds. I'll trade you for the plane. Give me that plane. <laughs> so, Dolly borrowed some money from her mom at this point. She wanted to tap into that prohibition money and opened an illegal bar called Marty O'Brien's. People would flock to Hoboken because the mayor refused to enforce the laws. Oh, okay. Mm. Dolly would run that hot place and serve swarms of minors and, uh, you know, children. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, you know what's interesting about, uh, like, that whole area, including Long Island, and I'm sure it was the same thing with Hoboken, they would have boats just right outside of the, like, international waters, that were just like supermarkets for beer and like liquor. So people just go out there, they take a little dinghy out there, buy their beer. And I've then never heard this. Come back. Like they said, if you went to the South Shore or Long Island, you could look out and look like there was a city on the horizon because it was all boats trying, like selling oh, alcohol. Really? Hell yeah. I can believe that, cool. yeah. I'm painting a picture of how successful this family is because it comes into play later. Okay. Um, so Frank dropped out of high school 40 days into the gig. <laughs> 
Dolly was kind of pissed at him and reached out to Frank's godfather, Frank Garrick, who worked at the Jersey Observer as a circulation manager. He wanted, she wanted Frank to be working if he wasn't going to go to school. He hired Frank to work on a delivery route, dropping off bundles of papers at newsstands and to other delivery kids. He blew that job pretty quickly because uh, a few weeks into it, a sports writer at the Observer was killed in an automobile accident. And Frank came in the next day and made himself at home at the dead dude's desk what? on the day of his funeral and told the head editor that his Uncle Frank had given him the job. <laughs> okay. Wow. When Uncle Frank came into work a couple hours later, the editor was furious at Uncle Frank, and Frank had to let him go. What? That's... Oh. Wait, let the editor go, or... or, or no, Frank he had to Sartre. let Frank go, oh, because... Okay. I thought he fired the editor just yeah. because... No, no, the, the his boss, the editor, right. was like, hey, why didn't we talk about this? Right. And in reality, all Frank had to do was ask for the job, and he would have got it. Right. Okay. He's but spoiled. instead of that, he was just like, a bunch of family photos of him. <laughs> Don't know this family. <laughs> it's my desk now. Just his way in. Yeah, exactly. He just pushes his way wow. in. So his uncle Frank has to tell him, "Hey, Frank, uh, you really fucked up that time. You could have just asked me." And uh, this is where we see Frank kind of throwing his uh, famous temper tantrums. Ah. Ooh, he was a born bitch ass. <laughs> Got it. Dolly also ignored Frank until the day she died. Wow. I don't know. Really? Mm-hmm. So the Sinatras were. These people who lived kind of inside their own bubble while the rest of the country was destroyed by the Great Depression. Dolly okay. kept dipping chocolate and performing abor abortions, and Marty's job was unionized. Uh. Union! Frank was showered with gifts for his entire youth. The what are we talking about? Hungry. Like pizza? We talking about salami? We talking about a little roll of a saucy jalolo? you name a type of mortadella, and he's gonna eat it. Constantly eating salami. Well, actually, no, they were O'Brien's, And the, and the rest right? of the country is eating dirt. Yeah. He's <laughs> just eating salami. Yeah, so everyone else is scraping by, and the Sinatras took advantage of the market crash and bought a big old house up the block. Mm. The house was fully furnished already, and Dolly became obsessed with keeping things clean. Frank also picked up this tendency and started showering three times a day. Oh, he's one of those. Uh -huh. He also refused to handle dirty money. Ew, like, literally dirty. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dude, uh, I don't think you can do that anymore, man. Every dollar you get has bloodstains along the edges. Soiled. Yeah, right. <laughs> I always wonder where this dollar's been. Uh, up someone's nose. It's up definitely been ass. up someone's nose. Or someone, yeah. yeah, someone's ass. Yeah. Yeah, money is like the dirtiest thing. That's I, why Venmo is winning. That's why I always lick my money. Don't Put do it that. in my wallet so they stick together a little <laughs> bit so then you won't lose it. It's All stopped. my germs, sir. I will take yeah. one of your poppy bagels. Yeah, that's that's the weird thing. You go to a bagel shop and they have the gloves on, and you're like, oh, it's hygienic. And then you see them like give change in the same gloves. Oh, and you're no. just like, you don't understand how the world works. I'm I'm oh. leaving now. That's been yeah. in a stripper's asshole. Thank you for that. That chive and poppy bagel. It's you been in Travis's butter mouth. on it. Yeah. <laughs> Butter in quotation marks. I probably did that at Dunkin' Donuts or some shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I definitely did oh, that. Oh, yeah. So Frank, from a very young age, did not agree with Dolly's abortion business and was rather ashamed of it, actually. And that sunk in harder when Dolly almost killed a girl in their their beautiful new house. Excuse me. Ooh. She was arrested again, given five years probation, but she just kept doing the business. Mm. Around this time, Frank got really into the idea of becoming a singer, mostly provoked by his love for Bing Crosby. Oh, he began yeah. smoking a pipe, like big old Bing. Bing! He's a poser. 
and hung a picture of Bing on his wall, which was also weird at the time. Yeah. The, the only uh, thing I know about Bing is the one Christmas album he does. He's like the guy that does all the like the famous versions of the Christmas song. It's one of the highest selling albums of all time. Yeah, Bing like, Crosby's oh, White Christmas. I'm dreaming, yeah. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty on point. <laughs> yeah. I'm I also it. know that he was an awful person, too, so I'm excited to do him. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. No, he was a real it. fucking piece of work. Fuck. I like doing this podcast, guys. Um, Mutual. So, yeah, she, she ha- he hangs this picture on the wall, and uh, when Dolly comes in and sees it, she thinks Frank's a homosexual yeah. and throws a shoe at him. I was going to say, only girls No, that actually walls. happened. She came in the room and threw a shoe at him. <laughs> Wait, and then she gave him a butt abortion. Yes. Right up the end. Free abortion. On the house. Butt abortion, butt bing, butt abortion. Whoa, butt bing. I mean, tarts now up the airness. That's the O'Brien side of it all. But Dolly was okay with him getting into singing. Frankie would sing at Dolly's bar. He then started hiring musicians to play as his backup band. He tried to book shows at the local church, but uh, the parish wouldn't let him do it because his mom's business. Everyone knew about it. So Dolly bought him his own PA. And Frank would bring his band to restaurants after making arrangements with the owners and put on a show. Yay. Uh, Frank would also purchase orchestrations, which are like sheet music, okay. of all the modern hits. And he would rent them out to the bands. They would come ask for them. And then he would be like, oh, yeah, I'll give you a better price if you let me sing for you. Oh, wow. Yeah, because he, right. he's a rich kid. And, yeah. um, and buying sheet music for a 10-piece band is a lot of money back then. Okay. They, we didn't, they didn't have Xerox. <laughs> Yeah, so right. so he's like a block party DJ, and he's like, all right, slide to the left. That's what I was slide saying. to the right. Crisscross. Yeah. Everybody, <laughs> I'm Frank Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say, he's such a rich kid that he's willing to be paid with exposure. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Which is now the normal thing. I know. It's so ass backwards. I wish people would pay me to expose myself. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> Now, uh, something to consider at this point in Frank's life. He is god-awful at singing. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't think that. Really? What was the song he, he did? Uh, I Love New York. Is that his song? New York, New, New York. York. Oh, New York, yeah. New York. He has, his, his catalog is insane. It's like 500 yeah. songs. Oh, wow. Wait, you think he's a yeah. bad singer? No, he's not a bad singer when he grows up and starts his recording career. At this time, he was unbearable. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, he just was learning. Word. Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, he's a natural talent. He sounds really good. It was like, okay. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo! So, uh, Dolly shifted her, uh, you know, fat Italian weight around and uh, eventually got him a gig singing five nights a week at a local club. Not bad. He also tried to do some freelance on any off day he had. He was committed. I'll give him this. So one of the trios he worked with let him in the band because he had a car at the time and could chauffeur them from one gig to another. Uh, They also hated him. (laughs) So Frank wanted in on a poppin' local club act called The Three Flashes after they'd gotten a deal to be in a series of short films. They refused. Uh. They're like, there's three of us. We don't... You would be four. Yeah, you can't be. We can't be the four flashes. We have only three flashes. Come on, we'd have to rename ourselves. You sound awful. Uh, (laughs) Is there any? Is there any recordings of him? Because I I imagine, I always felt like like part of being a rich kid is you. They'd always hire like some dude. Like who's that? That girl that like had the music video done for Rebecca Rebecca Black Friday, best song ever. 
Friday. That's how I feel every Friday. single Tuesday. Like that's what I'm. I'm waking up in the morning. Gotta have Shut up. Lunch, gotta go so, downstairs. Frank Sinatra is Rebecca Black. Like you know what I mean? Like oh, dude, I was, did anyone record him at this early stage? There are recordings you can find, but it was all radio broadcast. Uh, there was no okay. uh, studio sessions. How old is he at this point? He's about seventeen. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, Rebecca Black. Yeah, <laughs> love that song. Just stop it. With the refusal of the three hot flashes, or three flashes, yeah, what? Hot fl- three hot flashes is a different club. That's, yeah. a, that's a book club yeah. that yeah, they renamed. 50, yeah, the Cougar Club. Yeah, there you go, 50-year-olds. So then Dolly went and visited the band's, uh, the band leader's mother in Little Italy. Keep in mind, she has a status. Everyone knows who fucking Dolly Sinatra is. She's just like, hey, you've got a baby coming? <laughs> Maybe not today. Do you really want it? Yeah, <laughs> maybe not today. That is the most threatening abortionist ever. Yeah, exactly. Maybe not today. <laughs> I don't. So the next day, Frank was in the band, and then on set for this series of short films with a little persuasion, Italian persuasion, a couple chocolate covered almonds, a little bit of yada yada. Hey, yeah, some brass hey, you let him in the band. Yeah, some horse head in your bed. <laughs> but uh, it was normal to do blackface at the time, I, so Frank what? did some of that. Yeah. Um, well, Which, for the time, who gives a shit? You can't, there's no such thing as backwards correctness. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel that everyone went after Justin Trudeau. He's just doing a Sinatra costume. <laughs> yeah, Sinatra's the evil fucker. <laughs> Very true. So, the three hot flashes, or, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to just keep calling it that. That's, the three hot flashes had to change their name because there was now four of them. So, they became the Hoboken Four and began doing more shows, including a radio talent show called Major Bo's Amateur Hour at the Capitol Theater in New York City. I, I, lo- I love old-timey bands where they have to tell you how many people are in the band. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, we're the quintet couples. We're three men with SpaghettiOs. Well, if you didn't do that, you just have a bunch of old people sitting on their fucking couch listening to 78s going, I bet that's four of them. They're like, what are they, doo-wop bands? No, this is like, um... Big band? Yeah, it's like technically big band style. One of those big suits. Zoot suits? Zoot suits? Yeah. Zoot suits. There was a touch of that happening. They won this competition, and they were put on a traveling act with Major Bo's Amateur Hour Circuit with another 16 acts. They would play small venues, grocery stores, because they were sponsored by a coffee company that wanted them to make appearances wherever the coffee was sold. Um... The novelty of touring wore out pretty quickly, and the boys got in a lot of trouble on the road, uh, which means they probably stayed up late. Uh-oh. Uh, Frank took the gig more seriously than the other guys, and he began to shine through. He was building a following on his own, and would have fights with mobs of women who were like, Look at this guy. Oh. He's wet. <laughs> did, he have a, did he have a particular style that made him stand out? Like, fashion-wise? Because I know he's got Bodacious. so many pants. Well, back then, they would all dress in uniforms when they mm. did bands like that. I don't know why every single band did that, uh-huh. but you'd have, like, this is, the, this is the color we're doing. If you want to stand out, maybe you can put a kerchief on. Ooh. <laughs> okay, so, but Frank is there. He's like, okay, I understand the uniform, so I'm going to put pants on, right? Because I love pants. And then I'm going to put these pants <laughs> over the top of my head and stick my head out of the zipper. And the the legs are my arms. Like, I'm a wacky, inflatable arm man. <laughs> He's so like, wild oh, up there. <laughs> got so much energy. Yeah. Frank, your dick is poking through your collar, man. <laughs> Put it back in, and the ladies would swoon and throw <laughs> rose thorns at his penis. Oh, no. 
Yeah. So um, the ladies liked him. They liked him off the bat. A lot of it was because of the, uh, he liked to break rules. And the rules back then were pretty simple. It was like, the microphone goes here. And if you move it up, it'll sound weirder. <laughs> and he would move up and kind of swoon around and, you know, move his body, kind of like Elvis Presley style, but much earlier. Yeah, he danced with yeah. the microphone. So the other guys in the bands did not like that he was getting way more attention, so they started beating the shit out of him regularly. <laughs> yeah. Yes! <laughs> Jersey. Uh, yeah, exactly. Because that's what you did in 1935. You just beat the shit out of each other, and then you just kept working together. Yeah. I can't express my emotions, dude, but I'm something, man. Ugh. <laughs> something. Ugh. Talk with your fist, boys. So, eventually, Frank left the circuit when he was tired of uh, having the shit kicked out of him on a regular basis and returned to Hoboken. He lied and told all of his curious friends and family that he returned because he was homesick. Ah. Uh. He also was, you know, covered in black eyes and yeah. and, and bruises uh, and a sick. missing tooth. Oh, um, he began working as a chauffeur for a, another rich Italian family that was a couple towns away. And uh, he would go out of his way to kind of sing at Elks clubs and political rallies and radio stations because they used to kind of leave the door open. They'd be like, hey, what do you want, kid? I want to show the world. <laughs> and they would put him on when there was, like, no advertiser. It just happened that way. Gotcha. Um He'd hound everyone in the music industry he came across for opportunities. He'd sneak into nightclubs to avoid the cover and manage to get on stage at some point and start singing. <laughs> Why would he sneak German. in? Doesn't he have enough money? Um, what what he would do is, well, he was, Dolly was like, she tried to teach him financial responsibility, but without knowing how to do that. Oh. <laughs> so if he was to get it through her, it was fine. But if he wanted spending money, it was like a different animal. Gotcha. Like, for example, if she had a credit uh, a credit line at the clothes store where he got all of his pants, right? he would just run up a bill all day. Yeah. But if he had to pay for a soda, it was like, well, I'm broke, boys. It sucks <laughs> being a depression child. Yeah, Dolly's like, here's the apron, here's the coat hanger, get to work. <laughs> Uh, yeah, one of the ways he would sneak into nightclubs is, like, kind of make, make conversation with the musicians outside. He would wait uh, for them, uh-huh. and then, like, help them carry in gear. Oh, got it. He also found his first serious girlfriend in Nancy Barbado. <laughs> so, uh, have you guys ever seen that, uh, famous mugshot of Frank Sinatra? Uh, yeah. yeah. Maybe, yeah. I've seen that before. Yeah, it's, um, it's stupid. The whole thing is dumb. <laughs> but, like, you know, I, I think, like, Joe Rogan has it up in his studio. He's just like, this guy was the fucking man. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you how that happened. Yeah, all right. <laughs> in 1938, Hackensack, New Jersey. Sinatra was doing this gig as a singing waiter in a place called the Rustic Cabin for 15 bucks a week. Sounds like it's a place where you get raped. Yeah, the Rustic <laughs> Cabin. <laughs> yeah, someone slips something in your drink. I'll have the Rustic Cabin special. What is that? <laughs> it's it's a, a Pez dispenser of Rufinals. <laughs> uh, Mickey Blue Eyes. <laughs> He got the job because of Dolly's political prowess, as the owner of the club remembered Frank from his Three Flames days and thought he was a totally smug prick. But he also <laughs> didn't want to get his building shut down. Uh huh. So in comes two constables, and they told him that he had a Christmas gift waiting from an, one of his admirers, which he did have at this point. What? This was a trick. <laughs> he fell for the trap and was taken in for taken in for a morals charge. Sucker. He posted his own bail at five hundred dollars and walked out. What a, uh, what's a morals charge? What the fuck? I'll explain that. Okay. I'm, I'm, what I'm doing is setting it up. This okay. is like the baseline of the picture. Okay. 
and the mugshot, and then I'm going to tell you how dumb this is. See, I'm just picturing right now, like, in terms of morals, like, you're just showing me the shaft. There's no head yet. Just the shaft. Maybe a couple pubes <laughs> sticking out the side. Now, this was actually the second time he was in jail for the same charge. Uh, and it was all... Be- the morals charge was put out... Uh, what was um, was pressed by a woman named Tony De La Penta. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, I, so Tony De La Penta. De La Penta. I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta well, rewind for my own. Show his wang to her. No, I'm gonna tell you. So, uh, like I mentioned before, Nancy Barbado, she, he's dating her. Okay. Correct. So now we have Tony De La Penta. This is the woman who was filing charges against Frank. Was from a poor neighborhood. Okay. Dolly Sinatra also hated her. Uh, she hated poor people. Wow. She would go pick up Frank at. Uh, she would go pick up Frank at his house sometimes, and Dolly would just be outside the front door saying, You're after his money! You're nothing but cheap trash from Lodi! Italian mom. Yeah, I don't know why I went Australian. <laughs> uh, after a while of dating, Toadie in- in- invited Frank and Dolly and the rest of them to join the family uh, for dinner at their home. Eventually, Dolly cracked and went along with it. Mm. The entire evening was filled with quick jabs involving... Uh, Ooh, caddy. The... Yes, the De La Penta's family. Marty just kind of sat there with his head in his hands, and Dolly went off with every conceivable reason as to why they shouldn't date. Wait, um, Marty Also could, insulting them. Marty mm-hmm. could put his head in his hands? I just imagine his wrists are just permanently broken. <laughs> like, oh! How do I <laughs> Maybe pick Maybe it's up? the other way around. Yeah, like, how do... The wrists are resting on top of his forehead. <laughs> they just kind of yeah, like oh, this is embarrassing. Yeah, and he's like he's at this dinner party and he's trying to like pick up the fork, but he's just like Bleh! mashed potatoes are flying everywhere. The gaffagool gabagool is going this way. So uh, the whole night, Dolly's going like fucking crazy. She's like, they're too young to be dating. Frank was twenty two at this time. Tony was twenty five. This was her second. This, uh, this was uh, this would technically no. This would she's. Sorry, I'm a little fucked up. Uh, yeah. She was married already. She oh, was already she was, divorced. He was going after the, the older woman. Yeah, man, three whole years. Mm. Sweet. Whew. Yeah. Uh, Frank was super pushy, eventually asking Tony to marry him, most likely to get in her pants because Tony d- never put out. Uh. Eventually, she agreed to start boning in hotels. A few weeks later, she was pregnant. When Frank, Frank found out, his response was, well, I guess I'll have to marry you. <laughs> Didn't they call mom? Oh. <sighs> No, uh, she actually miscarried in the oh. third month, so uh, I guess good luck for everyone. <laughs> uh, Frank, Frank ghosted her for a while until one day she called the restaurant, the rustic cabin that he was working at, and uh, asked for Frank. And on the other line was Nancy Barbado, his real girlfriend. Oop. Oh, oops. Ooh. She oops. drove over to the rustic cabin and the two girls got into a fist fight. He then explained that he had to marry Nancy because she was pregnante, and he needed oh. a woman that Dolly could agree with, because Dolly liked her a little bit more because her family had some money. <laughs> and that's when Tony called the police to file the first of the two morals charges. And can, can we just back uh, up a little bit? Like, so after the f- charges are filed, two police officers come up to Frankie, and they're like, we got a gift for you in the back of this paddy wagon. No, that, that's the second time. That's okay. the second time. That's where the time. mugshot comes from. This first time actually is a bit funnier. If the, poli- if the police ever tell you they have a gift for you, just don't believe them ever. <laughs> you just be like, no. What could you have for me? What look- could a policeman have for you? Yeah, you just look out and there's like a wrapped box under like the, the stick and crate <laughs> trap. Yeah. We got you a Nintendo Switch! What? <laughs> a, a, a giant Chinese finger trap made of salami? <laughs> you shouldn't have. 
I'd rather now, take the giant Chinese finger trap full of salami than Nintendo Switch time. So thank you for showing that I would get <laughs> caught in the police gift trap. I would get you. I would actually become a police officer just to get you. Got him. <laughs> so while Frank was in jail, Dolly called Tony and uh, bitched at her, called her a cunt, all that shit, and convinced her to drop the charges. Like so that. Tony eventually agrees on the promise that they would both apologize to her. That's all she wanted. I'm sorry. So Frank was let out of jail, but two weeks later, there was no apology to be found. Ooh. Tony drove to the Sinatra household to have it out with Dolly. She was let into the house, and then Dolly took her ass and threw her down the basement stairs and locked the doors. Oh. Oh, jeez. That's nice. Yeah. Old, old-timey Italian. Yeah, so Frank Sinatra's mom effectively uh, kidnapped a woman. You go down today. Yeah, this is where I keep my Genoa salami in the basement. Now, luckily, the houses back then were were built like bullshit, and the neighbors could hear screams from the basement. <laughs> so the police showed up, and uh, Dolly used her clout in the neighborhood and turned it into, instead of getting arrested for kidnapping, had Tony arrested for trespassing. Breaking ah! Nice. Yeah. Wait, this is the pre-mugshot thing. Uh, this is pre-mugshot. Okay. Yes. So after she was let out of jail, she went to the officers and uh, pressed charges again, and that's how Frank landed his ass in jail the second time. Got the famous mugshot. I mean, I'd press charges if I was kidnapped. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Dude, I just yeah, I, yeah. I love that picture of him just like staring down the camera. He's like such a rebel, man. He's hot. He's so he's Fucking so rebellious. Hot, he's like Doug. I gotta look at this now. <laughs> He's handsome. I'm just kidding. He's squirrely. He's a little idiot. He's a dumb butt. He's squirrely. Also, um, I, I forgot to mention this. One of his nicknames was Scarface, because when he was born, uh, something happened when they were taking the kid out, breech birth style, and they cut his face with something. Wait, say hello to my little ah. face. <laughs> wow, so Frank Sinatra is Tony Montana, is what you're telling me. No. No, not at all. Pay attention. While Frank worked at the rustic cabin, he was a pain in the ass. They had to cut his mic off all the time because he'd be instructed to sing a verse or two, but instead he, he would sing the entire song and just make up lyrics over it. <laughs> he had no style or no technique at this time. He sounded nasally, just like me. Tom, give us a little bebop-a-doo-doo. I did it my way. When the moon hits your eye <laughs> like a big pizza pie, that's amore. That's amore. Uh, do my own backup. All right, stop, Tom. I see why you're a guitarist. Yes, thank you. <laughs> he was always really high-pitched, too. He really had no technique. He was garbage. And the band members, uh, if they spoke up about how shitty his performance was, he would get furious and start kicking and screaming. No one could touch him because Dolly was could virtually replace anyone in the band or shut the whole place down. <coughs> Fuck. Finally, though, Frank takes vocal lessons in New York City with a vocal teacher named John Quinlan. He taught Frank everything he knew about his vocals because he saw potential in him. He taught him all the techniques. This man sculpted Sinatra's career, and Frank loved this guy. Just going to fast forward a little bit. Years later, when Frank was a success, during the height of his Hollywood time, John had a heart attack and was disabled. Frank asked him to come out and join him in Hollywood. And when John said, uh, I'm disabled, yeah, Frank threw a hissy fit, took it personally, that Quinlan couldn't fly to California. Okay. So he never spoke to Quinlan again. Oh, that's good. Little Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Frank also 
tried to and almost successfully write this guy out of history because people would ask him, interviewers, press and stuff, be like, hey, uh, where did you learn how to sing like this? And he was like, it's natural. I've never taken oh, a vocal oh, lesson ever. Okay. Betrayed his sensei. I like that he got angry at a disabled person. Like, I assume in a wheelchair. It's like, what do you mean you're disabled and can't walk? Yeah, <laughs> yeah his, his fucking shit got all fucked up. Just Frank's just up. like, hey, I like you a lot. You helped my career. Why don't you come join me out here? Uh, I can't really do that, Frankie. Sorry. Love you, kid. How dare you? <laughs> how dare you be wheelchair bound? I don't know how you could do that, little Quinn, dude. 1939. Frankie married Nancy Barbado, the one that Dolly was okay with. Uh, on the condition that she stay out of his way with his singing career. He had no money, so he had swayed Dolly into giving him one of her rings to give to Nancy. And since Dolly liked Nancy, she caved in. This marriage had also made it abundantly clear to the entire town, especially Tony, the girl who got thrown in the basement, that he lied about Nancy being pregnante for the first time in order to dodge the Tony bullet. Nancy had her first baby 18 months after the wedding. So unless it was like a Jackie Chan baby that was in there for two years, she was never pregnante. Mm. The wedding was a weird one because Dolly didn't invite anybody from Hoboken. Only one of Frank's neighborhood friends was invited. Wait. He had just one guy at the wedding? He had one girl. Oh. One girl that Mar- that Frank was friends with. And oh, then wow. the rest was Nancy Barbados family. Well, okay. I, I mean... there was just one person in attendance at the wedding. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, like it sounds like he doesn't really have any real friends anyways. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but the one friend who did show up was interviewed later, uh, Marianne Schreiber, and she's quoted as saying that she never saw Frank sadder than on that wedding day. <laughs> Get what you get. The marriage was okay in the beginning. Money was tight, as most of the money that was brought into the household went immediately to Frank's wardrobe. Fuck, new pants. Yeah, new pants. New pants. New piano, you know. He needed to look good all the time, especially while singing. Frank's obsession with his clothes actually drove them into poverty. Damn it, Frankie. Too many hats. Because they were making money at the time. They were both working, and they were doing okay. But... Frankie would spend his entire paycheck and then go, hey, Nancy, how much can you spare for my new pants? <laughs> That's how he sung. Yeah. And he's like, yo, these Jodans are fucking hot. <laughs> Harry James, a well-known trumpet player that was in the Benny Goodman band, heard Frank on the radio and recruited him to join his new band at 75 bucks a week at a two-year contract. They played the Roseland Ballroom all summer with the band as a featured act. But Frank wasn't happy with the exposure. The album they recorded sold like shit. And ASCAP, which, uh, you know, I have my own gripe with, <laughs> American Society for Composers, yada, 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 yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. assholes. <laughs> Butt plug. They had, they had banned all the radio play that the record label that all of Harry James's stuff was on because they weren't paying their dues or something. Okay. Mm. Tom. Which was, uh, I believe, 7, 7% at the time. Tom, do you have any beef with uh, Roseland Ballroom? I mean, I know you played there, too. I never played there. Oh, I thought you played the Roseland. No, but uh, first time I saw Slayer was there. Oh, oh yeah. little Slayer Sinatra, raining blood. Whoa, yeah, from a lacerated anus. Whoa, <laughs> that's that's very good. The band eventually got the choice gig opportunity to play the Palomar in Los Angeles, but while on a bus ride out there, the Palomar burned down. Oh fuck. Ah. And then he met Tommy Dorsey. 
Tommy Dorsey was a successful big band leader that met Frank in Chicago and offered him 125 a week, provided he can get out of his contract with Harry. Harry was a cool guy, so he was like, sure, go where the money is, kid. Hey, you got stars kid. in your dick. Go for it. Kid. Hey. Yeah. Frank recorded I'll Never Smile Again with Tommy Dorsey, and that got him in the public eye. Buddy Rich is in the band, and he's an attention whore. If you don't know who Buddy Rich is, he's a fantastic drummer. He goes, okay. But he's also a diva. Hey, it's Buddy. So you know what happens when you put two divas in one uh, band, I guess. Try and bite each other's dicks off. It's like, come on, everybody, won't you do the diva? Everybody, I don't know. Oh, yeah, diva name. Nobody's Yep. So this was, uh, this actually became Frank's, like, first professional rival. They were both getting the itch. You know, they were like, I'm the spotlight, man. Why are you doing it at all? They were kind of, they would fight each other like a couple pregnante meth heads who, uh, were arguing over who Cleavon loved more. <laughs> ah. In fact, Buddy would speed up, like, the, the tempo of the song, because he was a drummer. He's holding it down. He would speed up the song whenever Frank had a solo, just to fuck with him. <laughs> yeah, I like Hell that. Yeah. Like, he's got those That's brush things. He's got those brush sticks going like, and he's like, oh, la, 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 la. <laughs> there was even an incident, uh, an instance where Frank found a vase, a crystal vase, while they were talking shit about each other, and threw it, uh, and it broke the sheetrock. Luckily, l- luckily, Buddy dodged. If he had not dodged, he'd probably be dead. This was yeah, in the uh, middle of the earlier middle of a died. song too. He's like, "Fuck you!" And just threw it. It so was some green room shit rock, because man. the rest of the band they're just like, "Oh, we're, we play brass. We don't argue." And the other guys are just fighting with each other. And Frank, yeah, like through this through this vase and uh, definitely could have killed Tommy. I mean, uh, Buddy Rich, which would have been very different. You know what they yes. say about bla- brass players. <sighs> Great with buzz in their lips. I played French horn. Ambrosia. You ever do a French horn uh, mouthpiece on an anus? Well, you got to fist the French horn, right? (laughs) What? You got to fist the French horn, right? Yeah, you fist it and then you... That's how you play it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's different than a trombone because that's that's more active, right? Punching the anus bag, right? (laughs) Trombone is like you're blown into a butt. And you're kind of jerking them off. Yeah. You know, rusty trombone. I've never that doesn't thought of it like that. That's the rusty trombone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not the rusty trombone. Oh, no, that's the rusty hook. What's, What's the rusty, the rusty hook? hook? Yeah. Is when you, you stick your finger in your ass and you put it in someone's mouth and pull up. Oh. Wait, put. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Where's the sex involved in that? That's just something uh, mean like to do to thing, someone. Yeah. You could just do that at like 1.30 in the afternoon on someone's front lawn. You could just do yeah. it to yourself when you're no just. one's watching. Yeah, when you're bored, you could just do it yourself. I am so bored. <laughs> yeah, I have Travis watched just everything like, well, on my Netflix is out of battery. Like, <laughs> Crazy rusty hook. Someone knocks. It. Hey, hey, Travis. Uh, how you doing, man? I'm good. <laughs> I'm just eating Oreos, dude. Sometimes you gotta scratch the internal hernia, and then you just gotta like get an itch on the side of your mouth. You know, whatever. It's not like I'm trying to do the rusty hook on myself. You have two hands, you dick. Yeah, but dude, Alternate. trust me, my hernias are very intense, so I use both fingers. I scratch You're both just, sides. Yeah. That's a goat scene. Shut up, Cody. <laughs> so uh, let's get back into Frank. Frank idolized his uh, new band leader, Tommy Dorsey, and even adopted his personality traits. He started dressing like him, talking like him. He even adopted an affinity for toy trains like him. Adorable. What's with old men and toy trains? They love them. I don't know. Mr. Rogers. Mm. They didn't have fucking uh, Nintendo Switches or Rusty Hooks. <laughs> 
Uh, well, they had rusty hooks. Let's be real. They probably called them yeah, like goes, rusty, rusty, uh, rusty what? Hooks. Uh, rusty hooks. <laughs> Smooth, Travis. <laughs> I love doing a comedy podcast where there's no joke ever. Workshopping. A plus, Travis. <laughs> so uh, Tommy actually uh, met Dolly and... <laughs> kind of liked her too this is where my frank boy comes from and uh frank while they were on the road did some finagling and was just like hey my mom likes to call me ever uh, likes me to call every day can you do me a favor and just call her every day for me (laughs) (laughs) that's beautiful yeah and it got to the point where dolly like she took the line and then it turned into like tommy you didn't call me yesterday you fucking bum (laughs) mothers as Frank's career picked up, Nancy had their first child, and he happened to not find her that attractive anymore, as he was being uh, basically molested by a bunch of young fans. Yeah. Uh, you could have uh, it my way. <laughs> <laughs> now, Nancy was pretty close with Dolly at this point, and Nancy would rat to Dolly and be like, hey, your son don't like me, and he's out with other women right now. I fucking know it. So Dolly sent some of her uh, goons to go find Frank when what she when he fuck? hadn't turned up when he wouldn't turn up at home and be like, "Hey, this is a Catholic household. You gotta go home to your wife and stop having sex with that person right now." Right now. <laughs> so, this instant, we're gonna we're gonna make sure you're not a liar and watch <laughs> like some dirty gypsies. Um, yeah, I mean, Frank was quite the ladies' man. Whenever he was on tour, he had no problem. Finding women to have sex with because they all wanted to have sex with him because he was just like under a light and singing and sweating, you know. <laughs> yeah, dude, lights you know lights produce pheromones and pheromones produce Frank Sinatra semen. Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't limited to tour too. Like you go home and be like, "Hi, Nancy, where's the spaghetti? All right, see you later. I'm out with the boys." <laughs> Oh, your sauce was never as good as my mother's. She used to use that. Ab- yeah. She used to use that abortion fluid. Whoa, whoa, hey, hey, whoa! I'm just imagining oh. him like fucking a groupie, and like he puts his shirt over her, and then just like walks in, like, "Hi, honey." <laughs> Nothing out of. I'm not name. done yet. Uh, yeah, so Frank was the ladies' man, and he managed to swoon a lot of women. Uh, one of them was a nun in training who was 16 years old what? while he was 25. What? Mm. What? Yeah. So he he had the prowess. You understand? Like, she was a nun too. A nun in training. Wow. Mm. Sixteen. He was twenty-five. So uh, you know, he's at the show, and you have lots of ladies to choose from. And he's like, that one. I'm gonna pick you up in a pack, son. <laughs> Jeez, that ain't right, Frank. This is like the 1930s, baby. You ever have one of those things called Capri Suns? They come in a pouch. <gasps> Whoa. <laughs> Oh, Frank! Hey. Put that pouch away, Frank! Go! Oh. oh, Frank, wait till you're home! Oh, you got a wife and a couple kids! Oh, they don't like it! I'm gonna read the rest of the script like that. By 1941, Frank was named the top big band singer in our states by Billboard. Oh! And the following year, he was a solo recording artist. Forget about it. He knew how to play the field. And get his records played. He wine and dine DJs, columnists, PR people. Get his name out there. You understand? Great A Schmooze. Yeah, forget about it. I got like, whoa, whoa. And I'm like, hey, whoa. And he's like, hey, whoa. And then you're like, hey, whoa. 
Whoa, I got a radio. Whoa, <laughs> come on, I'm a show. Whoa, with Frank leaving Dorsey because Dorsey wasn't paying him no monies no more. Dorsey was able to be like, look, you got a contract with me right now. This is what's going to happen. You got to come in here. You're going to sign a piece of paper that says I get 33% of everything you do when you leave this office. You understand? 33. So he takes 33% royalties from Frank's. <laughs> and he gets it all through the label. Columbia. So this is a kind of a finder's fee. You understand? A nice big finder's fee. Yeah. How's this accent working for you guys? Is this better? Put me in the mood. Let's, let's see where it goes. You know, one time I got, you know, I'm just a rebel. You know, like, remember when, like, Frank got his, like, mugshot? So the only time I got pulled over was, like, my plates fell off. <laughs> just fell your, your dinner off. plates on the side of your car <laughs> my front plates fell off dude you have to do you can't just hand tighten okay <laughs> Gotta get you need to get a screwdriver right. so my plates you know? fell off and the cop walks up you know this is on long island and the cop walks up and um i don't know what you know i don't like have like an italian accent but the cop goes can i see your license yeah 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 sure here you go buddy here you go <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just, just went into that? this fucking Italian accent, and I was like, "Did yeah. he have an accent? What? Did he have an accent? No, he's like, okay, so okay. you weren't you weren't echoing. You just, you just I don't know, maybe it's it my internal nowhere. Italian racist that all cops on Long Island are. Whoa, hey, whoa, you you touched my mother's gravy. That's interesting. I see your license plate falling off <laughs> on your car here. Let me ask you something. Uh, let me look at your license. Uh, I understand you speak Italian. Uh, <laughs> Travis Lee? <laughs> yeah. Leandro. Well, yeah, it's Travisimo. <laughs> yeah. Travisimo Liani. Leonardo. <laughs> I like Mike's right. Leangelo. Leangelo. <laughs> all right. So, basically, I'm getting back into it. I'm going to tell the rest of the story like this, even into part two. I'm going all day. Maybe we make a part three just so I can talk at you more. He needed to agree to this deal because he was going from employee to employer and he wouldn't be getting no steady paychecks no more he was kind of like venturing on his own so he was like part of the offer from columbia came with a seventeen thousand dollar advance that's a lot of money back then. <laughs> a lot of hooch come on mm -hmm. so he's like all right to get out of this tommy dorsey's not gonna work 33 percent. i get 17 grand for doing it let's do it <laughs> After a few months of that, Frankie was pissed because he's just like, hey, where's my 33% going, Tommy Dorsey? <laughs> Frank went to the press about it. He was like, yo, Tommy's taking my monies. <laughs> what a rant. <laughs> he ain't supposed to be taking my monies. I never said I, want, I wanted him to do it. That motherfucker. He he's taking his money. So Tommy sued back. Eventually, Tommy was bought off for 60K. Some from the label, some from the advance. Now there's a little story behind it. Apparently... One of the mafiosos that hung out with Frankie at the time wanted to see him flourish. Mm. Oh. So he sent a couple goons over to stick a gun in Tommy's face and say, we're going to give you 60 grand to fuck off forever. <laughs> I don't know if that's so true, but you know, it happened. Yeah. Well, you know what? I I really like German potato salad, and well, I also like uh, bratwurst. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, you're kind that's of ruining good. my appetite. I don't want any fucking Olive Garden. Oh, by the way, I had Olive oh, no. Garden. I had Olive Garden for the first time the other day. You had Olive Garden for the first time? No, the Cody, it's kind this of the time for this. this is, we haven't done an We've Italian in a long time. How's your week? And he didn't say anything about this. <laughs> no, this is topical. I went to Frank Sinatra's house. I went to Olive Garden. Olive <laughs> <laughs> Garden. The fakest Italian place you can go. Hey, it's real because the bread keeps coming. Yeah, well, I had I had them. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yo, bitch, give me more bread. Or give me more salad. And they brought it out. 
dude. They were like, okay, <laughs> that's our job. Yeah, <laughs> that's their job. Like when you're there, you're family. Do. And like I abuse my family. <laughs> Good man. American classic. Oh, but let me tell you, man. I mean, no. I'm, I am. Um, uh, I said I was in the German potato salad and bratwurst, but whoo, the chicken parmesan, me. All right. <laughs> oh, Let's tell you something. Fuego. Let's get back to Frank. So we started a wave of fanatics. These are called the Bobby Soxes. <laughs> the Bobby Soxes, they were called. Do you understand? No. Ladies with socks bobbing <laughs> hey. around. Screaming bitches lined up the sidewalks in front of the shows to look at the gangling Swoonatra. Some of the bitches were plants in the audience, though. Oh. Whoa. He had hired teams of 10 to 20 bitches to make commotions as soon as Frank started his set. Really? This would help build his reputation as a lady slayer, swooning bitches left and right. Hmm. And it fucking worked. They would hire ambulances to be parked outside of his show to be ready for fainting bitches. At one of his shows, really? they took away 30 fainted bitches. Only 12 of them were hired. <laughs> Whoa! Wow. Okay. Wow. Bam! Nice. Impressionable ass bitches. But well, some did faint. That's pretty That's pretty high numbers. <laughs> that's a lot. If you got one person to faint at your show today, 2019, that's you get special. sued. Right in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We ever you get sued, too. Thousands of these bitches started fan clubs popping up all over the country. The Moonlit Sinatra Club, the Sighing Society of Sinatra Swooners Club, Ooh. the Slaves of Sinatra Club, the Flat Bushes who would lay down their lives for Sinatra Fan Club. <laughs> it's a long pin. These are all real names for clubs. Wait, flat wow. that this man flat put bushes. They just gelled it down. Yeah. <laughs> or just matted yeah. flat from all the <laughs> sloppy sex and schlicking. Not that they'd be from Flatbush. It's just that they were in the middle of anywhere and would paste it down with pop. Yeah, right. Exactly. So they're like Frank Sinatra gangs. Yeah, ladies just ready to die. Why? <laughs> Lay down your life for this gangly garbage We're going to die first. This success was due to George Evans, Sinatra's publicist. He made up holidays and radio contests focusing on Sinatra. He got everywhere. George was his press manager and knew that Frank's image was different than the whole any news is good news thing. He wanted to like get into the whole, he's a good boy. Ah, uh, but he, He's singing to your wife. He's a good boy. He's not a good boy, though. I mean, he's a, just a well, wussy boy. This is true. So a lot of things that you'll know about Sinatra today, about how he grew up all poor and shit, yeah. and oh, how really? he had to work in the fucking mines, oh, wow. and how he was a depression child, it all comes from Georgia. Wait, so he act? wait, did wow. he actually, I didn't know that. Did he write that he grew up to work in the mines of Hoboken? No, well, it's oh, okay. an expression, you know. It was just like, <laughs> I was he's like where are the mines? Uh, so he worked around the clock to convince the press that Frank was a good guy. Because Frank sucked. <laughs> and a lot of people in the industry knew how much Frank sucked. It was his responsibility for all the myths that I just mentioned. He also made up the fact that Dolly was a nurse that worked for the Red Cross in the Great War. No. This never happened. <laughs> Not once. A lot of the stuff, if you look up a bunch of biographies, a lot of press stuff, if you're just doing some light Googling on Frank, it's all like, this guy is a nice boy. He's always been old blue eyes. He's he just... Laid back, sweet guy. Came from a rough town. Out. You got. You got to dig. It's all bullshit. Everything dig. is fucking bullshit. They're like, always playing his music in uh, hotels or like in the elevator. Sometimes. What? Yeah, oh, man. I feel like I hear a lot of Frank Sinatra. What hotels are you in? <laughs> like, Motel uh, Eight. Yeah. <laughs> Comac Inn. <laughs> but uh, I mean, that's pretty crazy. He's got a great publicist because I didn't know any of this mean. I mean, this this boy being a spoiled rich kid. 
Well, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't exactly rich, but also in context of the economy. Oh, yeah. He's like the working man's kind of guy. He had it extremely easy. I mean, and, and George Evans went out of his way to talk to the press and say, Frank Sinatra comes from nothing. He only had one pair of pants. <laughs> <laughs> they were burlap. Was, it ex- was he very yeah. explicit about how many pants he owned? Like Frank had the problem. He's like, you know, more people can relate to that. You know, <laughs> yeah, that that's exactly it. It was more people can relate. Yeah. You go where the numbers are. Everyone's yeah. fucking poor in this country, so it's like you just you, make you want to hear like about that. a rich guy. You don't want to hear him. You know, yeah, and, and you don't want to hear about a guy who was a pain in the ass, and his mom had to get him into every nightclub and radio yeah. show he ever. You hear did. that, Drake? It's true. <laughs> are you listening, Drake? We know you are. So you started from the bottom. People don't even care about that. No, Drake now. did not People start like, from the bottom. He started at the grassy, and now he's here. <laughs> I know. Uh, so the funniest myth of, of Frank, excuse me, the funniest myth, see, I got to do the accent. So the funniest myth about Frank yeah. during this whole time is that Frank was a family man. Frank had to play it cool. George was like, America wants good old boys. So I know you've had sex with about 5,000 women since you got married, but you have to pretend to love your wife. At least a little bit. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Nancy, on the other hand, was dying inside. They bought a new house. That was cool, but Nancy did get pregnant again, but kind of because George was like, hey, you should have another kid because America loves kids. Put it in there. Come on. Basically, George was like preserving their marriage. Because Nancy was at home, actually somewhat of a depression child, managing all the money, never bought anything nice for herself, made all of her clothes out of old tablecloths, and Frank was out there just plowing 16-year-olds. And buying zoot suits or whatever the fuck you wore. Pants. Putting his family traditional gravy inside every lady that comes across. Tradition. Tradition. It's an Italian Uh, tradition. Spread your gravy. Show it to everyone you got. (laughs) So at this point, Frank had to hire two full-time secretaries to go through all this fan mail. Two full-time. 40 hours a week. No. That's obscene. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And just to open it and then put a a, uh, a pre-printed response letter in. This oh, is, at least he read his fan mail, I guess. No, he no, didn't. He didn't. Pay no, attention. No, the two secretaries read it. And if something popped oh. up, they're like... Oh, an know, interesting one? They would oh, read and be like... One and Frank's Frank. like, if one of them says that they are going to nail me uh, and give me the address... <laughs> put it in this pile. <laughs> I got you. I got you. If it's like a love letter and it likes how much, uh, you know, <laughs> likes how I love my wife and kids, throw it. Throw it. Doesn't even, don't even respond. This one's got a Visa gift card, Frank. Out. You want this one. Yeah. Um, wait, hold on. But what, uh, what year is it now? Where are we? When is he blowing up? Like, I mean, uh, like 1938. Okay, 1938. Right but we're, like right now, it's a little vague. Because he had a, a few years of success. I, actually, no, closer to 1940. Okay. Um, hmm. So the hype around him was just fucking insanity. A couple members of Congress even considered him to be the prime instigator of juvenile delinquency in America. Nice. <laughs> and to be fair, Frank loved that. Yeah, wow. I, yeah. G- George didn't like that because he was just like a good boy, and Frank's like, nah, but I'm doing. <laughs> I'm bad. I'm a bad boy. I would, I would, I would like that if, if like roast mortem just caused like juvenile malfeasance across the country. I, I would put that. I would pin that in my head. Yeah, you hear that? You hear yeah. that, Mitch McConnell? You want to tweet about us, dude? If roast mortem was like 
maybe the tenth highest cause yeah, of, yeah, okay. of juvenile not, not delinquency. The, not the direct spotlight. You're right. You're right. I'm just not. I'm. I'm not unrealistic. Is what I'm saying. <sighs> okay. Okay. We can all dream. Right. So uh, he could deal with social criticism, but no way could he handle someone talking shit about his voice. If he read a bad review of his performance, he'd throw the newspaper on the floor and rant to whoever was in earshot. One of his gopher assistants, Nick Savano, said that he would have to have his clothing dry cleaned every day. Ooh. Because he wore so much makeup on stage when he was doing his two, three shows a day at the, at the uh, Paramount out in New York City. A tremendous bill, even if he didn't wear the shirt. He was like, it was near my makeup. Get it dry cleaned. Wow. Uh, one of his big sti- stipulations with dry cleaning was that he would never want starch to be used. Frank hated starch. Who doesn't? One time, all of his shirts came back starched. And Fuck. Frank, Frank threw them all on the ground. He was stomping on them and screaming, Fuck you at Nick. <laughs> and Nick actually stood up for himself. He was like, Fuck you too, Frank. What the hell do you think you're doing? You think I'm crazy or something? I didn't put the damn starch in the things. Frank left the room and didn't talk to anyone for hours. He was pouting like a bitch-ass 10-year-old. <laughs> what is it? I've never had anything starched. What is it makes it stiff? Yeah, it's yeah. like stiffer. Oh, it, yeah. it hangs better. You, you look stiff. You look like a... Like a... You look like a magician. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> magician? <laughs> yes. Okay, like didn't he bought his costume from Spirit of Halloween? <laughs> I mean, where yes. else do you buy costumes? Oh, I I was just there yesterday. I'm Party so City. excited for Halloween. Oh, what are you going to wear, Tom? I'm not going to tell you. I'll put up pictures okay. later. Nice. I promise it's a good one, though. I'm just going to be a natural boy. Not the wrestler. Just like a natural man. So during this time, World War II is raging on. There were a few journalists that were calling out Frank for making thousands of dollars a day performing to the wives of the men who were overseas making $40 a month dying for their country. Oh, oh so he's just singing to all ladies. All ladies. Nice. He's a ladies' man. He's like, all the single ladies, all the single ladies, all the single ladies. Whoa, oh, oh, your husband's gonna die in World War II. Whoa, oh, 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 all the single ladies. Uh-uh. <laughs> he's never coming back, baby. <laughs> so George Evans could not see this happen. So he stepped in, and he made him do a, a troop benefit show. Oh, nice. he did a few of them. Uh, Frank had started paying his respects to the mob while this was happening. Mm. Willie Moretti of the Genovese family. The mob, the real heroes of World War II. Yes. Turns out that Willie was Nancy's godfather and been behind the scenes with Dolly pulling strings to get Frank's success. Willie's appreciation of Frank was a big part of the growth in the Italian community understanding Frank's music. Mm. Capiche. They would often be seen together attending amateur boxing nights. And then eventually, Madison Square got in oh. big ticket oh, fights. Wow. Um, so hold on, Tom, is he's he singing like the Frank Sinatra classics yet, or do those come later? Uh no, they most of his classics came a little later at this point. He had recorded a lot of standards and he had a few out, but a lot of the stuff you know, like New York, New York and uh My Way, that was much later in okay. his career. What about his Christmas album? Because uh, I know a little Bing, Bing Crosby. Okay. Also later. Just checking. Got it. Yeah. His wife then had their second child while Frank was away in California. He stayed there for three months 
keeping his company with the sexy Hollywood types, going, Ooh. hey, Nancy, uh, how's the kid look? <laughs> he became somewhat of a movie star when the re- with the release of Higher and Higher and Step Lively for RKO Pictures. This was not technically his first movie, but it was the first with starring roles. Nancy and Frank's marriage was being held together by a thread, but Frank convinced Nancy to move out to Hollywood so he could be out there full time. Nancy agreed, but she had to take her five married sisters with her. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> what about the mother-in-law? So now George, she had to come too. No, Dolly stayed in Hoboken. <sighs> so they're all living in uh, Frank's house out in Hollywood. No, they had like apartments out there that they paid uh, for. So now George Evans, like while this is all happening, George Evans, like we have to make Frankie look like the good guy again. Like he cares about the troops and mm-hmm. all that shit. So he's taking the heat for not serving in the military during the wartime. It turns out that he spent $40,000 getting the right doctors to say he wasn't fit to serve. Bitches! Oh. That didn't come out till much Bone later. Spurs. But George Evans booked him a USO tour to help his image. He knew all the guys at the camp would want to egg him and mailbox him for nail- making their wives look like idiots. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not going to end Hold well. Hold on, what a, where yeah. does your scrotum go when you mailbox someone? I know teabagging, but where does... So there's two parts of mail. What like are you thing one or thing two when you're mailboxing? Uh, the I am because mailboxing takes two people. I'm, and one rece- vic- I'm receiving the mailbox. I'm re- I've been mail. I've been mailboxed. They go. They go over your head, and if if it's a hot enough day, they will dip into your mouth <laughs> yeah, as your spine yeah. crumples into itself. A mailbox? Yeah, you know what a mailbox is. I thought a mailbox is when you kneel down. And you push someone over yeah, the yeah, person yeah. kneeling down. But you're pushing yeah, so them so hard that their scrotum slings into their own mouth. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's how uh, you know you do true. it right, Mike. That's science. I'm going to try that one out. Yeah, <laughs> on a female. <laughs> so Frank's like, all right, I don't want to do this tour because these guys are going to throw hard-boiled eggs at me. Let's do it anyway. So leaving <laughs> California to get over to, uh, I believe the troops were stationed in Italy that he was going to at first. <sighs> Messy. <laughs> so, on the plane ride there, he had managed to bump an Iwo Jima vet off the plane. Perfect. Oh. Good way to start a USO tour. Uh, he refused to stay in the hotels that were booked and ordered an audience from the Pope. <laughs> what? He's like, hey, Pop. George Evans was able to pull off the Pope visit, by the way. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah. I guess the Pope's board. He went there with George Evans and one of the other, um, one of his managers. The Pope had no idea who Frank Sinatra was, <laughs> but Frank was pissed at his other manager because he was like, hey, I manage him, and I also used to manage Bing Crosby. And the Pope was like, oh, yeah, White Christmas. I like that. <laughs> and Frank was just like, fuck! Hey, you Frank Sinatra, get off my fucking lawn. <laughs> Upon returning from Europe, reporters waited for Frank at LaGuardia. Hey, Frank, hey! <laughs> as soon as he stepped off the plane, he started berating the USO show operators, killing any good reputation that George Evans had made for him. Why? He's like, I don't know. He just stepped off the plane. He's just like, these guys don't know how to run a show. Look at it. What are they? Heroes? Just like they're fighting for your rights. Well, uh, yeah, okay. So, um, this bitch ass, right? He says he's got bone spurs and shit going into World War II. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is making. The other bitch ass that I know, Elvis Promsley, like he seems mm. like a hero ass because he went and surfed. Yeah, well, but he did eat a lot of peanut butter and shit. Oh yeah, fried peanut butter. Afterwards, yeah. yeah. He did so do that. that's two singers 
but one shows the righteous route. The other one was a bitch ass. True. Dude, I'm getting. Yeah. I'm I mean, getting. I mean, Frank is a bitch. That's pretty much the overlying arc of this whole thing. It's uh, there was no giant, huge events with Frank. It's all these little things that just show you how much of American's blue-eyed sweetheart is just a massive piece of wet bacon. <laughs> mm. I would want wet bacon in my mouth. Oh, uh, uh, wait, uncooked oh, wet ew. bacon? Ugh. Ew, you're not Italian. Ah. Wow. So George Evans booked him a tolerance tour to promote <laughs> racial equality. Perfect. He gave talks in schools, community centers, and George Evans was a hardcore liberal Democrat, and Frank would just parrot whatever he said. I have a feeling... A racial concert right now? Or he's putting on racial benefited concerts? He's just doing talks. Oh, talks. Like, he's going all over the place, like, hi, I'm Frank Sinatra, I want to let you know... Oh, excuse me. Hi, I'm Frank Sinatra. Hey. I want to let you know that your neighbors are your friends. Don't say the N-word at them. <laughs> Be nice to them. Because... Because I was a little guinea wop. <laughs> people used to call me a little guinea wop, but didn't like it myself. And I'm putting myself in them shoes. Perfect. Understand? Thanks, Frank. You fuck yeah. up my wife! Also, you fuck way, up he, my wife! <laughs> he did talk like that, too. Really? He had, like, one of those really thick Jersey Italian accents. When he sang, Gorgeous. he sang without it. And when he acted, he acted without it. But for the most part, he did sound awful. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Frank loved his mob family. He became enthralled by this guy named Bugsy Siegel, the L.A. mob boss of Murder, Inc., which was a real thing before Ja Rule. (laughs) Bugsy was a murderer, a narcotics dealer, and a numbers operator. Frank tried to emulate him the same way he did with Tommy Dorsey. Bugsy went on later to open the Flamingo Hotel in Las Vegas, where Frank would spend some of his later years with his mob friends. To quote his friend Joe Carroll Silvers, Like Bugsy... Frank had a mafia redneck mentality. He was always dressed well, but a bit vulgar and showy. He was not funny. He liked crude, practical jokes, but he was not a humorous man. The moods were such that such that there was a good Frank and a bad Frank, and he didn't try to hide the dark self in those days either. So let me just put it out there right now. And this is all seriousness. Like, from everything I've heard about him being a spoiled bitch ass, him not being funny, and like, can't take a joke, he is Bam Margera. That can say <laughs> right. I think you connected all the dots, Travis. Dude, yeah, yeah, because Bam Margera wasn't funny, but Don Vito, <laughs> hysterical. God yes, bless him, definitely. Rest in peace. That boy cemented a place in heaven. No, but I'm saying though, no. like that guy could dish it out. He hated his fucking. He's a bitch ass, and like mm-hmm. she's just like, dude, it's not fair. Like I just took the tip of your dick off with a hammer, and you showed me a snake. <laughs> the fuck <laughs> is that? I'm just gonna be pissed. Yeah. Bam Margera is exceptionally yeah. not funny. I love Bam Margera. I liked all the other guys. He was like the annoying dude. Yeah, I guess. He probably would do a horrible thing to me. I was friends <laughs> oh, yeah. with him. He'd be, he'd be like, like, What's up, loser? Were you sponsored by Element? Phony. <laughs> Frank left his deal with RKO Pictures and signed a five-year contract in the big leagues with MGM at 250 k a year. Oh. Now, he was the only star to come with his own flock of bitches. Mm. Everyone else, they had to develop, and, you know, they'd find the talent, they would do their their shit, doing small, but, like, no one had a flock of bitches. So that was all different. On his lot dressing room, he pinned a list of famous bitches that he wanted to have fuck with. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like a help wanted sign? 
Like it was the the door, you know, the star, and there was Frank Sinatra's dressing room, and then yeah. there was just a list of famous women of Hollywood, and he would gradually check them off. Jeez, just All be right. like, "Hey, I fucked your wife." <laughs> <laughs> I bet Tallulah was on it. What a dick. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, he's you know like. Oh, uh, you know, some people are like, oh, that's so cool. He got to fuck, uh, he got to fuck, uh, Betty Davis. So cool. <laughs> I want to fuck Betty Davis. <laughs> dude, this is some real, dude, Tom. All right, cut it, bro. This is some real man cave talk here, man. Who, who would you fuck if you were streaming? This is man cave talk. I would have a list of Jeez, I would have a list of bitches and I would be like, excuse me, I would like to fuck all them. I want to fuck all the Hollywood stars <laughs> and I want Clark Gable to watch me with a mustache. <laughs> so this is how he met Marilyn Maxwell, the first woman to convince Frank to divorce his wife. And <laughs> it didn't fall through all the way. So Frank went to Nancy and he was just like, hey, uh, what's your name? I want a divorce. Jeez. <laughs> oh, she refused, and Frank stormed out and didn't talk to her for a few weeks. So, <laughs> what do you mean? That's a good way to work it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you mean you don't want a divorce? I asked for one. But pasta's too dumpy. <laughs> uh, so uh, Marilyn Maxwell's relationship, even though it was a big part of Frank's life for a short while, it dissipated before the divorce actually happened, and then she just ran away. Uh Frank was awful to work with on set, by the way, if you couldn't fucking guess. Mm. He showed up late, or not at all, to a lot of the shootings. I hate that. The, the studio would call him, and he would just call in sick or hungover, or just not pick up the phone, just be at the pool, whatever. No phones at the um, pool. Now, he also met his second wife, the official one, on the MGM lot, in Ava Gardner. That's a big I've one. I've heard her of her before. I have not. It, You've probably seen her in, like, an old-timey picture that you weren't paying attention to. All right. One that you asked in your uh, social studies class. Because we social studies is a study of socials, people. I, I am so upset that schools call it social studies. I know, studies. right? Yeah. It has no... Just call it's it history, history, dude. Yeah, just right. call it history. There's no so, I'm not doing sociology here. Benjamin Franklin dude. sailed the ocean blue in 1942. That's how that goes. Well, you actually, no, I have to take it back. You can't call it that because of the patriarchy, dude. It's his story. Oh, his story, man. You can't call it his story. Their story. Yeah, dude, that's We're weird. Gonna, from now on, all, all um, high schools are just going to call it her story. No, their story. Their, their story. The they, story. Their story. What about story? They, what about they, them they, story? They, them story. Yeah, okay. We're good, Tom. Yeah, I agree. It. I think that's Some the best stuff. one. Uh, yeah, so like I said, he meets Ava Gardner on the MGM lot. They started their relationship before Frank was divorced, and Ava would, like, she had some balls on her, this woman. She was like, nice balls. oh, you got a wife at home? And he would go, yeah, I do. She does spaghetti sometimes. <laughs> and she'd be like, well, that, you know, I could go, like, date other people because you, like, on paper right now. And he's just like, don't you do that, Ava. <laughs> so Ava would show up to, like, parties with other guys, like, Oh, hey, Frank. Nice to see you here. Ooh. And he'd be like, fuck. He'd be all jealous. He's like, I'm losing it, dude. Uh, he even went to his buddy and mob boss, Mickey Cohen, to tell him that one of his guys was seeing Ava and that he didn't approve. Mickey at the time was under heavy, heavy surveillance and only took very important meetings and was extremely pissed that Frank would walk into his fucking door and go, hey, I know, like, you know, 
I'm not, you're not supposed to have people, but your guy is fucking my future wife. <laughs> so he's like cramering into he's jealous. rooms and yeah. shit. And Mickey's like, leave. <laughs> what, what the fuck do you want from me? This is, I'm a mob boss, not a matchmaker. Excuse me, Mickey. I got a penny. I got a penny and it needs to be a penny langosta. His noodle's dry. Yeah. And Mickey says verbatim, go back to Nancy. She's a nice woman. Oh, what a nice guy. Yeah. So George Evan tried to step step in for his own selfish reasons to save the good image that he had worked on for good old Blue Eyes. Blue, Blue Eyes? Does he have this nickname well, officially was, now? Blue Eyes? Yeah, people start calling him old Blue Eyes. Oh, really? So um, George is like, hey, look, go back to your wife. She make a spaghetti. And he's like, I'm not going to go back to my wife. And they have this conversation every week. And eventually, George Evans is let go because Frank doesn't like hearing what's good for him. How many times can you eat spaghetti, you know? Dude, right? Is that rhetorical? By 1949, Frank had fallen out of the billboards. The Bobby Soxers had stopped showing up to the shows. Entirely. The critics' admiration that he had fought for was waning. His new movie, Take Me Out to the Ball Game, got shit reviews and barely made its money back. Nancy went public about how many times he had walked out. Uh, he'd walked out, and Frank's career was on a downward spiral. Yes. Frank started to realize what trouble he had put himself in by letting go of his press agent George Evans. And shortly after, pondering this, in January of 1950, George Evans died of a heart attack hmm. at the age of 48. Oh my George! <laughs> oh no. So just to reiterate. Everything we liked about Frank Sinatra's character came out of George Evans, and Frank just showed up, smiled at the camera, hello, did a little bit of this. He's nothing without George. And a little, fly me to the moon. Besides that, he didn't have much else. Right. I mean, everything we know about the art of baking um, has come from Cinnabon. And if you take away Cinnabon, what is bakery? I don't even know. What is bakery? What is bakery? I don't even You're know. Right. What is bacon? Pillsbury? No, okay. <laughs> All right. That's like a little side note. That'd be like Frankie. Mike, stop Frankie stooping. Junior. To his That'd mind. be like Bing Crosby, right? <laughs> you know, like that's the predecessor. To, yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's funny you bring that up because it has nothing to do with what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, weird, right? Now it cool. does, dude. Yeah, it's it's the art of baking, the art of singing. It's very precision. It's like, oh. Let me get some. They both take practice. soda you know? on it. <laughs> Crickets. So right after George's funeral, Ava and Frank were at a restaurant in Houston when a press photographer came into the table and asked for a photo. Frank became enraged and was a second away from socking this dude when the owner of the restaurant came out and broke up the fight. The press found out anyway, even though there was no photo evidence, and uh, it was hot news. And officially, Frank was fucked even more. Hollywood had all those bullshit moral standards brought to you through the Hayes office, the same people who made it illegal to show married couples sleeping in the same bed. Oh, fuck that. That's some Cielo shit. Yep. And now MGM was in seriously hot water for even having Frank on their roster. Oh, shit. So Frank's really fucking up. Mm. Music's not doing well. No. Film's awful. No. This shit happens with Ava. Frank was in the dumps. So one night... When Ava went to a party by herself that Frank didn't want her to be at, he called her at the party to fake a suicide by telling her he was going somewhere that she can't go. 
He then fired a pistol into the mattress twice. <laughs> oh, look at this Foley artist. Dramatic. But then also, to not get in trouble, he swapped his mattress with his friends who was in the same hotel. Oh my god. <laughs> That's so much effort. Yeah. I know. And this was, this was the first of several suicide attempts from Frank That's not Sinatra. even a fucking attempt. No. That's Wait, no. he shot, tried shooting himself and he missed? Yeah. No, he just <laughs> shot into the mattress oh. trying to scare Ava. But he does have a few oh. more suicide attempts in there. He probably tried to kill himself about eight or nine times. Legitimately. This one was, just, imagine, uh, like, just imagine like we're sleeping in a hotel and then I just kick in your suite and switch your mattress out. With one that has bullet holes and smells like Don't taps. ask any questions. Yeah, just it's not still a smoking. Word. Well, that's also kind of like so, the time that um, us three, not you, Mike, you were a child, um, when we went to Italy and, Tom, you were just hawking loogies on the floor. And I'm like, Tom, he's dead. He's dead. This guy is dead. I it was wasn't a suicide it. yeah, attempt. Sick. I just thought he might have gotten avian bird flu or something. And he's just. No, you had the avian bird flu, Trey. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, right? I was yeah. perfectly healthy the entire time. <laughs> you two were dying. So, what I'm going to do here is conclude this episode so far oh. with one little more tidbit. After the suicide attempt and all this bullshit career moves mm-hmm. he's done, he now has to borrow $200,000 from Columbia. In royalty advances because he never paid taxes. Oh, come on. And Nancy has gone public and has legally got a separation, not a divorce, and owns everything that he does and has taken it all. Oh, so this guy just is in the, like, all right. So if you think of an Italian sub, right, what's the most important things in the Italian sub? The meat. Baguette. The bread. The bread. The bread. Okay. Italian. Well, that's that's just like life. You need a nice no. bread. No. You need a Italian. Someone the eat. Italian bread is the life, right? So, like, you have to exist within the life. And then you have, like, a uh, salami. You have a little pepperoni. You have, you, have uh, you know, some lettuce. And then underneath that, you have the mayonnaise, which holds everything in place. No, the, the bread mayonnaise? <laughs> mayonnaise. Mayonnaise isn't even a solid. And then, you know... It's not even on that sandwich. <laughs> I think he's a lettuce. You know what? The oil vinegar, a.k.a. mayonnaise, if you're a white person, um, is, that is, is Nancy, and she just ruined everything. No, this is where we find out that Travis is actually a really skinny guy in a fat suit <laughs> who's never eaten a sandwich before. Yeah. What the hell Dude, are you, you talking about? you put mayonnaise about? on everything. I don't know. I get an Italian sandwich. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Give me mayonnaise on it. All right. Who are you telling to me to shut the fuck up? Subway? Yeah, Subway. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, she's the base. And now, it's not even an Italian sandwich anymore. Italian-American sandwich. It's I don't true. know where I was going <laughs> with this. I mean, you took us for a while. I'm so, I want an yeah. Italian hero so bad right now. I know, right? I sold you. This is why you should hire me. <laughs> no, you just confused everyone. Dude, Mike's hungry. I'm hungry. Shut up, Cody. Well, at any rate... <laughs> um, this is a two-parter Yes Because Frank had a lot of career of bitching And I thought he was an interesting guy to cover In more depth than we usually go into Nice Yeah And uh, so I'm ending it here Because this is kind of the death of his first wave of his career And we already now, his, We have a corpse too already, right? Uh, Evans George Evans, like yeah that. The guy who made Sinatra, he's dead None of his uh, famous songs have been done yet uh no he he's done a few famous songs really yeah he's sold a lot of records man he's but was Columbia was does he do like New York New York does he do like hey I got a pastrami on the sidewalk ooh ooh 
Yeah, but I only heard his like main hits and I heard any of his other stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, like you've heard some of his older stuff, but the really famous stuff is later okay. in life for him. Cool. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Like, uh, he's he's an extreme disappointment <laughs> to the American dream. He seems like, privileged. He wears yeah. all Very of privileged. the pants. Pretending to be someone he's not. I'm just mm. amazed by his publicist. Yeah. Because it seemed, I always thought that this guy was like 100% American. You know, not, I knew he was Italian, but like 100% American, like the, the model example Patriotic. of like coming up from the bottom and the, nah, yeah, you know, hey, uh, boo, I'm a good boy. <laughs> you know? Got my go. Oh, yeah. No, he's um, never, never really was a good boy. <laughs> the, the whole thing, it's amazing because um, a lot of people think Frank Sinatra grew up extremely poor. I thought that. Yeah, um, I fell for it. Yeah. Is he in the Rat Pack yet? Ooh, no. Okay, no. so. That is ooh, later. Okay, Perfect so next though. week we get to hear about the Rat Pack. Yes. Also, little, I'll give you a little teaser next week. Rat Pack, <gasps> those guys did not like to be called the Rat Pack. Well, who wants? All the more reason. Yeah. They called themselves the Summit. Oh, ew, And that did not that. catch I'm up. I'm calling them the Rat Pack. Yeah, that's some Silicon Valley yeah. shit. Like, we're, we're the Summit. Fuck you. Summer! <laughs> All right, thanks for tuning in for Roast Mortem, Frank Sinatra, part Ooh. one. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not going to apologize for my reading. No. No, Never dude. apologize. Forget about it. That's all right. Yeah, f- forget no, about it. No, it doesn't come across too good sometimes, but you know, sometimes it's good. Yay! So, sometimes you read, sometimes you Tom, don't. Tom, did you, you know? steal my glasses? Yeah. I took mine off, and I don't know where they went. Hold on, you put yours on now. <laughs> I don't know where they are. You stole them. Across the country. Here, let me hand let me hand them to you. <laughs> no, I can't do that because I don't really don't. Oh, wait. Oh, do it again. Do Magic it again. trick. No. Oh, sick. Whoa. Oh, sick. I love the internet. Cody, cut that yeah, shit. No, we all no one, post that no shit. one's gonna get that for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll be cutting that out. Okay. Can, yeah, when do you guys take it out? I feel like I've been talking so much. Okay. Oh, uh, thank you for listening. Now, guess what? You should discuss this on Patreon.com. This is Oh, yeah, yeah. It was doobop, doobop. Thanks, Dr. Goo. Thank you, Shane. Now, come You can win a million dollars. That's not even No, no. You can't win a million dollars. Make sure you subscribe and do all that shit so we can. You can hear the extra episode next week. They don't need to subscribe. I don't know what you got to do. RSS, my dick. Later. Next week, Frank Sinatra, part two coming up. Frankie, part two. Bye, dogs. Bye. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, Shane. Ah, premium rush, dog.